Welcome to the Unsuccess Podcast, a podcast where we talk about vocation and ministry and faith here in Portland, Oregon. I'm David Libby. And I'm Josh Hawk. And today we got a special guest, someone I just met about 10 minutes ago, a guy named Patrick Tomasi. Thanks for being here, Patrick. Yeah, thanks, guys. So, uh, Patrick, first of all, tell us how you got, um, you and Josh seem to know each other. Tell us how you got acquainted with uh, with us here. Well, actually, I uh, I only met Josh a couple weeks ago. I A friend of mine, uh, Danielle Mayfield, well, acquaintance of mine, Danielle, uh, when she was on, uh, my sister sent me the podcast uh, to, to listen to because she was just really moved by it, and she uh, she's really interested in, in what Danielle has done and stuff. So she sent me the podcast and I felt like I'm not going to start at, you know, episode, whatever <laughs> it was. I'm going to, I'm going to just see what these guys are about. So I Good. started on the first episode and, Oh, episode and was, one. sucks. <laughs> 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 well, so the nice thing was I was driving, uh, from Portland to Seattle and back in a day and a half, uh, and, and spending time with friends and stuff. So I had, uh, and uh, like all waste. over Seattle while I was up there too, so I had a lot of car time. So I think I probably listened to a solid seven hours of the podcast. <laughs> oh, jeez! <laughs> in one, That's a in lot one of go. David and Josh. Whoa! Man. Yeah. So, so the the nice thing was, especially because it was, it, it started out kind of like like rough and un sort of like. Uh, we didn't know what we were unshapen doing. a little yeah. bit, yeah. yeah. Um, that it was like a little bit like getting to know actual friends, you know, like we're you know, yeah. like being being sort of brought like into the a conversation stage, and then right? Kind of yeah. get into it, yeah, yeah. So, so I thought um, I, I just I just was kind of drawn into that, and and felt like I was like getting to know you guys, but also I was really struck by what you were talking about, hmm. uh, and then the conversation about uh, about these sort of narratives of success and um, how they affect. Uh, the church and how we live and all this stuff. Um, and so I sent Josh an email because, uh, because I see a, see resonances between that and my uh, work um, teaching at a small Christian uh, school in North Portland. Sure. Um, yeah. So tell us about that. You're, you're a teacher where I teach at uh, Trinity Academy, which is over in um, near uh, Kenton. What, what neighborhood is that in? It's it's mm, I think it's in Piedmont. Um, Technically, yeah, but it's I mean I live in Kenton and it's a fifteen yeah, minute yeah. walk. Right. So. Okay. Um. Yeah. So tell us like um how first of all how you how you felt like led to go into teaching in a school like that and and um what what that experience has been like how how long have you been doing it uh, This is my fifth year. Okay. Yeah. So how did I end up there? Yeah, I mean, what what led you to um, uh, pursue teaching, and then how did yeah. you end up at Trinity Academy? Right, uh, it actually went the other way around. I didn't I didn't <laughs> pursue teaching. I ended up at Trinity, and then started teaching. Um, <laughs> no way, really? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so when I was uh, in college, still, I was studying. I studied mechanical engineering over at University of Portland. Um, so I've been in this area for a long time, um, and. Uh, and my youngest sister was uh, starting high school, and we were not really satisfied with the school she was at. My parents were dissatisfied with it, and uh, and we wanted to um, find something where she would thrive and somewhere that wasn't just this. Basically, it was a Catholic school, um, and it was just uh, it, it just seemed like it was an expensive public school. It didn't seem like it had anything to offer in terms of um, of developing a, a sort of uh, Christian. Um, ethos or uh, or culture or anything uh so we were kind of dissatisfied with it <clears throat> and some friends uh were looking at us looking for a school for their kids and they found this school in, in north portland um and it was a ecumenical christian school which i had never heard of um and they so they started telling us about this place and how they were excited about it and um and my sister and i my older sister and i um uh, said okay well let's let's check this out so she pulled up their reading list uh on the web on their website and the first name on the reading list because it's the first thing that's read in ninth grade uh was flannery o'connor who's my favorite author and uh and i was like no way so then we, <laughs> she, she keeps going right and it's like oh you know they read all of this uh all of this ancient stuff they you know like ancient greek uh stuff and they do um they do latin and they do a modern language they have all this other reading stuff so uh, all this other reading stuff that oh sounded boy. intelligent. That's a um, lot. What what grade level is it? This is this we start is... in sixth. 
Uh, six, uh, six through twelve. Uh, they're doing so, Greek and Latin. So no, they're not. Sorry, they're they're most of the students don't take Greek, but they're okay. reading like uh, they're reading the Nicomachean Ethics and uh, uh, a lot of like uh, the ancient Greek plays and stuff. Sure, um, that's impressive. So so it was it was just like oh wow, this is like such a cool reading list. But I'm one, I'm cynical, and two, I'm an engineer, and so I was like. <laughs> Okay, but Christian schools, and especially classical schools, tend to be abysmal in math and science. Hmm. And I had actually gone to uh, a high school that um, had that was a, basically a classical Catholic school um, and had an, an awful math and science education, personally. Uh, and so, so I was like, okay, so like pull up their page for the sciences. And, you know, they pulled that up. And one of the first things on there somewhere in the section about juniors was you know we spent a semester learning to program in matlab which is um a computational programming language that i used in engineering school so i was like you're kidding me they're teaching high schoolers matlab and then it goes on and says and we do three or we do yeah three semesters of physics and two years of calculus and all students take this and i was like that's not there's no way (laughs) so so I was sucked in. My sister was sucked in. We basically teamed up to convince our little sister and our parents to check out the school. Um, and uh, and so they they checked it out at literally the 11th hour. Like it was it was August already <laughs> when, they were, when they were when they were, she was interviewing and stuff. Anyhow, so they became they, they got Mary got into the school and started there in 10th grade. And we uh, my my family kind of got started to get acquainted with the people that were running the school. And they were, they were looking for somebody to teach math and science. I was finishing engineering school. Uh, it was in my last year. And so I was helping them try to find someone. I know a lot of people that like, were doing grad school in, in, in um, like physics or math, stuff like that. So I was asking people to uh, check out the school, see if they wanted to teach. Crickets. Nobody answered. So uh, towards the end of the summer, uh, or m- middle of the summer, uh, they asked me, hey, well, what do you think about teaching? And I was like, well, um, let's see. One, I'm in Spain right now. Two, <laughs> <laughs> two I'm, uh, I'm an engineer and have no background in education. <laughs> and three, I have fairly, like, un, uh, like, like I've, I have no idea what I'm going to be doing in a year. So, like, I'm not necessarily a great, you know, great candidate. And they said, well, what, you know, will you give it a shot? Um, so I got back from Spain and interviewed. Um, the following day, and they called me that night and offered me the job, and I started working the next morning and started Five teaching one later week later. <laughs> Seems yeah. like the interview was just a formality, huh? <laughs> well, it was. It was the middle of August, and they were short yeah. a calculus teacher. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what do you do? Like, don't you need a teaching certificate and whatnot? Like, or or did they find loopholes and? Uh, you were able to get in. So you do not need a teaching certificate to teach uh, unless the school requires it or school, uh, or school system okay. requires it. So okay. public schools require a teaching certificate. Um, the Catholic schools in Portland do. Uh, I uh, Most of the, like, unless there's some sort of a, they, they can do some sort of a provisional thing, I think. Um <clears throat> Or I think maybe if you have like a certain certain level of education, they can make an allowance. But uh, at Trinity, they don't require, and in fact, don't even encourage people to have a teaching uh, certificate because they want to hire. They, well, they want to do things like what what they did with me. They want to hire people who have a subject matter expertise mm-hmm. um, and can really teach. Uh, can can really, hmm. you know, are are really like well educated yeah. on you know physics right. and, sure. and math and whatever. And then they said. We approach education in a pretty different way from most other schools, so we don't know how much value um, having b- having been trained in a different style of education is going to be for you. So we'll teach you to teach. Sure, so that that's great. Sort of the, that was sort of the approach. Yeah, that's an interesting approach. You know, like we can teach you how to teach as long as you know what you're teaching. Yeah, so you know, you your know stuff, like, yeah. So we're gonna hire. Uh, a math major instead of an education major, you know, to mm-hmm. teach mm-hmm. math. Yeah, and I don't um, want to like cast aspersions on studying education. It's just that if you if you want to if you want to do what my school does, yeah. that doesn't have as much value as if you want to teach in one of the Catholic schools. Well, it's it's a different approach, you know, and what 
<clears throat> what I, I'm learning or realizing is that there's not a one size fits all. You know, like mm-hmm. the, I, the the public school is great for you know right. a select group of people. You know, like my three kids are in public school right now. You know, um, private school is great too. You know, and trade schools are great. You know, and charter school. Like we we need options. There's not a there's not a one size fits all. Even in right. the in the same home. You know, like I've. I've talked with families who, you know, like one excels in public school, Mm -hmm. one excels in homeschooling, you know, one excels in a a private school. Like we, we're all wired different, you know, and I think for so long, especially kind of in Western, Western world, we have, uh, we've, we've tried to push everybody through this certain education system. Yeah. Um, And, you know, so I, I've heard, you know, I've been exposed to a lot of different theories on that, you know, and I, I, I think we're, you know, evolving as a culture, um, and growing kind of from that and realizing that, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I think that there's a, you're totally, I think you're totally right that we, we kind of have been sort of pushing everyone towards one thing. And yep. if you don't like that one thing, then you find the uh, find another thing and then you push everyone towards that thing, yeah. right? So like the homeschool, I grew up in a homeschool community and that yeah, th- is the same thing, right? So ev- homeschool is the education option right. for people and who care about lo- their kids. Yeah, yeah. If you love <laughs> your kids, you'd homeschool, you right, know? Like, right. And it did not work for me. You send your kids to public <laughs> school, like you must not love your kids. Right, you know, like right. that's the message that, that you get. Yeah, and yeah. it's a very shame-based um, message too, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's true of, um, I mean, the what, what you're saying that like, it's not one size fit all is fits all is like totally true of our school too. It's like this, this is a great option for a lot of kids. Yeah. It is not the answer for everyone. For, yeah, for sure. Right. Well, and, and we do the shaming on the other side too. I not, not necessarily so much parents, but, um, so I grew up in Klamath Falls, not a big community, like 40, I'll try not to 40, 50,000 for that. Oh, you can for that. <laughs> um, but, I went to public school and we had the very strong stereotype about those homeschool kids, you know? Yeah. They were they were all weird messed up people and and a lot of us and I'm probably saying a lot of us to shield myself from saying just me. <laughs> um but I I mean I definitely looked at some homeschool parents and thought man you're screwing up your kids i don't i don't like that i thought that i don't feel good about it now and i think i was wrong but i i had that view on my end so i think there's i think there's mutual shaming that happens i think um we 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 tend to look at what other people are doing and we're like you are stupid yeah and and that's a problem i was homeschooled and i thought the same thing about public schoolers you know it's Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. oh well too bad you couldn't be smart like me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, well, we are. We were all like pagan, heathen, um, you know, right. awful people in in public school, right? <laughs> we were. Yeah, we yeah. were all the worst. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fair. It's God, fair. God can save public schoolers too. That. <laughs> I, I don't know that he did. <laughs> I'm still pretty yeah, Josh, messed up. Do you love your kids? <laughs> you, um, that's, that's how you should introduce yourself to anyone. Do you love your kids? <laughs> yeah, I like honestly. I I love sending them away right. for a little bit. You know, like I, I I do have a tremendous respect for homeschoolers. You know, like there's no break. Like yeah, you, you get your school, you, you get your kids twenty four seven, you know, and that's it's a big job. But yeah, so let's um let's talk. You yeah, it's a little bit different. Um, on your end, you're in a faith based school right now, but um, even still, your primary role is as a teacher. So um, how do you see yourself as um, I don't know if uh. uh ministry is the wrong term here but um how do you see like what do you see as the importance of your role um from a faith standpoint as a teacher now Ooh, that's an interesting question um i think the word that comes to mind for me is uh is witness so i think 
I think that I don't. It's it's not my role in the school to proselytize. Um, yeah, and especially I mean, when you're, you're a working, math teacher. Right. Yeah, I teach math and science, and uh, and uh, but I'm also, uh, you know, I'm also a person of faith. I'm somebody who has a pretty significant role in a lot of these kids' lives, uh, and I I'm also uh, in charge of. Um, a lot of other stuff for, with, uh, so I'm the dean of boys, so I'm in charge of like uh, discipline related stuff, a lot of communication with parents, and um, and working with, with oh the boy. boys. On, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot of like working with the boys on like little disputes and stuff. And like yesterday, day before yesterday, I had two kids insulting each other and, you know, just had to have them apologize to each other. I mean, things like that. But there's a lot of just little things uh, on that uh, on that end that I do as well. Um, so, and, but then when you're, I think, especially in a context of, uh, of an ecumenical setting, it's, uh, which, so we have, uh, we have Catholic Orthodox Protestant, um, Catholic Orthodox and Protestant teachers, and we have, um, we have Protestant, Catholic, uh, Muslim and agnostic kids in the school. Um, nice. And so, so there's, there's a, even a more important emphasis on the part of the faculty not to proselytize yeah. because my, my views as a Catholic are not necessarily um, it, it's, it's not like appropriate for me to, um, to sort of impose that uh, on, uh, on the school or whatever. Um, and, and I think, it, I think it kind of would co-opt the freedom of the students. Right. But at the same time, uh, my experience as a person of faith and as, uh, as a Catholic uh, has a huge impact on how I approach pretty much everything. Um, so, like, my the fact that I'm the, really the only reason I there or the, the the one of the biggest reasons I stuck with teaching was the fact that I am like captivated by nature, and I I just like starting to teach sixth grade science my first year that blossomed in me. I, just, I, I became way, way, way more curious about the natural world. But all of that comes out of my experience of faith and the fact that like this, these are signs that point to something. This is like the beauty of the natural world points to, uh, awakens a desire in me for beauty that points to Christ. Um, and so my faith is inextricable from my um my my work as a teacher, I think, um, but that can't be, that can only be communicated, I think, to the kids um, through the way that it affects me. Like if I live my mm -hmm. life in an interesting way, uh, if I approach my work work in a beautiful way or in a way that um, that is uh, that is full, um, then I think that that communicates something, and if not, then that also communicates something. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely. And um, I don't know, man. I I feel like pastors and evangelists get too much recognition as, as, as the ones who impart faith onto people. The truth is you and parents have a lot more um, time with and influence on these kids than Josh or I ever would, hmm. you know? And so they're, they're not, like, they're truly not really looking to us for much. We, I mean, if, hmm. if any of your kids happen to go to one of our churches, they'd see us for a couple hours a week maybe hear a hear a thing and i i think i think a bit too much faith focus is put on um people doing what we would title as professional ministry but then i look at um i look at someone in your role and i'm like no he's he's modeling faith for people day in day out they're they're people are looking to you students see you at the grocery store, which I assume has to piss you off a little bit when, when I, I sorry, like uh, when, when you're off hours, it, so <laughs> it can't be fun. Right. <laughs> I think it weirded me out the very first time, but the thing is the, the, the school, uh, 
is this so the school is is, is a 15 minute walk from from Kenton my neighborhood yeah. where probably at least a third of the kids live uh, I live directly across the street from uh, a family who has their their oldest daughter was one of my first students and they have three kids in the school now um, so I see them you see them all, all the, the time. time every day yeah out shooting shooting hoops or some of those kids will uh, come over to my house and chill out if they don't feel like doing their chores at their own house so <laughs> and sometimes I'll put them to work at my house uh, <laughs> uh, so it's it's not something anymore that like that weirds me out at all I just bump into the kids at the store and it's like it's kind of cool actually good but, good I always wondered I I knew. And I haven't thought about this until 10th grade, and I haven't stopped thinking about it since, but my 10th grade history teacher said, if you ever see me and Fred Meyer, don't talk to me. I'm off hours. I don't want to see uh, you. And we were like, excuse me? Like, that was, <laughs> and, he, and, was, he was a cool teacher, and we were hmm. all like buddy-buddy with him. But um, as an adult, I get that impulse. I still don't think he should have said it. Um, well, but, and, and Klamath Falls is a small enough town, right. you know. You you do run it. There are three stores. You're <laughs> you're like you're likely to run into people, but at the same time, I just kind of wonder, especially if you're a person of faith like you are, um, you, you kind of can't be off in those moments. You know, mm-hmm. you're still you're still being seen. You're still a witness to Christ in those moments. Mm. In, in those ordinary moments in Fred Meyer and Safeway, wherever. Right. Yeah. Mm. Well, Patrick, one of the things that I, this goes back to a conversation you and I had earlier. Um, but one of the things that's interesting about Trinity specifically is the way that they, the way they do grading. Mm-hmm. And that was a really interesting and fascinating topic as we related to the theme of unsuccess. Trinity does not have letter grades, correct? Um, for the most part. So so we do, at the end of the semester, uh, parents get a transcript that has letter grades on it, um, which I, I think initially was sort of a concession to, well, ma- mainly a concession to colleges because yeah, sure. there was a hope when uh, when the first school, Trinity Academy is uh, based on a curriculum or uses a curriculum that, uh, that was started in a school in the 1980s in South Bend, uh, Indiana, and now uh, there are three of those schools um, in Virginia, Minnesota, and South Bend, Indiana. And um, so they've been doing this since the 80s, and they started out without grades at all. Uh, and then kids started applying to colleges, started finding out colleges were not actually going to yeah, get yeah. in line on this. So the, the the school said, okay, we will do grades, but we're not going to emphasize them. We're not going to talk about them. Uh, we're not going to put letter grades on anything. And this is still something that we do. So I've never put a letter grade on, a, on an assignment or a test or anything. Um, or even like <clears throat> percentages. Because for kids, right, if you put, a, if you put 82%, they just say B minus. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't really make any difference whether you put the letter or a percent on something. Uh, they will just reduce themselves to that letter. Um, and whereas I think if you don't if you don't do that, you uh, well, I mean, if I put thirty eight out of forty on something, a student has to do a little calculation. So that's nice because I'm a math teacher. <laughs> uh, but uh, but basically, I think I think the uh, the the idea of like the, the, there's this this notion that that you you can you know you you work you work an entire semester uh, and you get all these letters on things and yeah. or numbers or whatever and then all those numbers boil down to a letter and then uh, all the letters from your semester boil down to a number three point two right yeah. or whatever and then all of those semesters compile together to about boil down to another number. Uh, and that's your final GPA for high school, and that's all you worked for was one number. Yeah. Um, and so it's just it's just such a reduction of education. Um, and so we want kids not to be burdened by that. We think it's a we think it's a a um, an unnecessary burden, and it, that it it makes education about something that education never ought to have been about. Because mm. um, it's not the point isn't 
that thing, but, but it becomes about that thing, right? The motivation ends up being about that thing. Yeah. So I, like I get that with the arts, but how do you, how do you do that with the sciences with, with the, with math that is not actually objective, you know, um, where there is a right and a wrong answer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So we do for sure mark things right and wrong. So if I give a quiz, I'm going to, you know, cross out the problems that they got wrong or, you know, make check marks next to the correct answers. Uh, and I may put a number out of a number on the top of it. You just have to make sure your tests are like 27 questions <laughs> or 43. <laughs> or <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the, the math is really hard and tricky. Right. But, but what I'll do is, and this is a lot of work for teachers, but I'll give a lot of written feedback. Um, so, so I'll I'll mark questions right and wrong and then I'll synthesize that to say, oh, well, you, you totally understand, uh, the commutative property and the distributive property, but you still don't get adding and subtracting negative numbers, little sixth grader. Um, and do you write little sixth grader? (laughs) 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 Little sixth grader. (laughs) No, but, uh, but, but then I'll, so I'll, I'll write that on there. Um, on their test or quiz or whatever. And, uh, and so then when they, when they walk away, they don't immediately go to, I got a C, which also means I am a C student or, you know, if this is below where I think I should be right, then I am a failure, but they go, Oh, here's what I did well on. Here's what I need to work on. And I have, I have some, I have a step I can take now. Uh, it's a lot of work to do it that way, but I, I just, it seems better. Have you have you seen positive payoff from uh, doing that? Oh yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, because uh, let's see here. I think it puts it puts the onus on the student to uh, to decide what they're going to do with that information, whether they are going to uh, they're going to work on improving in that. So one thing I did, gosh, this is. Three years ago, I think I was teaching geometry and pre uh, pre calc, and the students were. It's like it was like they were allergic to showing their work or working neatly or boxing <laughs> answers. It was all this stuff, and they took atrocious notes in class. And so I started collecting their notebooks once a week and marking up their notebooks. They didn't. I didn't give them a grade. I didn't. Uh, whatever. Any anything. I just gave. I just filled their notebooks with red ink and just like you know. These are great notes. What does this mean? That's not words. Uh, you know, and, and kind of gave, gave feedback to, to teach them how to show their work, how to, yeah, how to do all those things. Um, and some kids were just like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. My notes work for me. That's not really true. But, uh, <laughs> but some kids got that feedback and, and saw He's giving me a, giving me ways I can improve, and like one kid, uh, I, he's he's about to graduate now. He's a senior, um, uh, so he he took the, this stuff really to heart and started working at like improving week to week on like the comments that I would give on showing his work, and even in that semester that year, um, I saw him go from basically being incapable of showing enough work to. Uh, to doing it, to doing like really clear mm. work. And he's the student that I bring into other classes occasionally when, uh, when the students are pushing back on this idea that they need to show their work because, uh, because he, he, he got to a point where he was not able to do the math, uh, because he couldn't show his work. And then he made the change and he, he so uh. he'll come into some of my other classes and say like, no, you really do want to, to, to build this habit now before yeah. you're doing poorly in a class. Yeah. <clears throat> that's a that's a good that's just a good uh use for life i remember it's it's different because you're talking math and science and um uh it's it's a little bit different but i remember the jump from high school to college i remember note taking was like so hard that first semester of freshman year, I was having trouble keeping up because the professor's just talking and not stopping ever. And like <clears throat> you, you, you can't, you can't scribble fast enough and you don't know how to um, take notes well, condense it. The students, ha- s- 
that impulse, well, these notes work for me, is a good one if you have the skills to take notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, but then I remember the jump from college to uh, seminary, grad school, was exactly the same. I was, I was like suffering mm-hmm. that first semester until I like... I could figure out how to take notes even faster and without like, um, I don't know. I just, I just think note taking and being able to do it fast and well is, is a skill that compounds on itself. The more you move through education. And then, I mean, just in general, um, you have to jot stuff down and keep it organized Right. A lot more in life than you think you will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's it's a it's a good skill to to hammer out now. And I I'm trying to think of any time ever in junior high or high school that our teachers talked about good note taking, and mm-hmm. I can't remember ever once. Mm-hmm. I, they definitely never collected our notes and and marked on them. So that's that's interesting that you're focusing on that. I think that might pay off in huge dividends later hmm. i don't know yeah um, but i do know it it became a struggle for me to to learn that skill in the moment right in college and in grad school yeah i had a conversation with my wife this morning um my wife's an icu nurse and she was talking about some of the doctors and and uh the residents that she she works with and some of them are great, but she says, you know, a lot of them actually come across as like a an unwillingness to admit when they are wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I wonder if there's a, a correlation be, between the way that in which we're educated, because we're conditioned to like you, you have to get everything right. Mm-hmm. And you're wrong means you're bad. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the, I had a conversation with a parent at a birthday party last week about, about this in, in terms of parenting style. And one of my values as a parent is admitting that I'm wrong to my kids. And mm-hmm. I want my kids to be able to admit that they're wrong to me. Like I, I don't want to have to catch them in the act, but I want them to like think about things and go, Oh, I was wrong, Dad, in how I behaved to you, you know, or how I acted out. Right. And you have to and model that. I, yeah, exactly. And it's something my dad has modeled to me and something like even my my five-year-old now, like I'll go to her and say, hey, kiddo, I, I'm sorry. I messed up. I, mm. I was wrong. You know, like that doesn't mean I'm a bad person, but it, it means that I I made a mistake and I'm I'm wrong in that. And, um, and so I, I, I wonder in how we you know, how we push education and and by pushing such an emphasis on that GPA, on that, that number grade on either a right or a wrong, a black and a white, um, where then we're, we're teaching people that you, you can't admit failure. Um, yeah, I, uh, I love talking in my, uh, I teach a lot of junior high science. In fact, I teach, I teach all the junior high science right now, uh, at the school. And one of the things I love, to talk about with the students is that science is about, if you want to want to boil it down to its most simple, what it is about science is about being wrong. That is what Mm -hmm. it is, Mm -hmm. right? It's about finding out we were wrong about something and then Mm -hmm. coming up with a better, a better explanation. Uh, It's it's always the the breaking of an old uh, idea. So we we always are looking for, I mean, that's why, why in science they always talk about things being falsifiable. We have Mm -hmm. to, we have to have, an explanation that provides falsifiable results so that we can figure out whether or not we were wrong. Mm. But it's like being wrong isn't bad. Being wrong, like it, it, it is this, this opening up to the possibility of being right, finding out you were wrong. Mm. It's like, is that, that another thing that's really cool. One of the first things that really kind of confused me, I guess, when I, when I started teaching in our faculty manual, there was a comment about, uh, about, uh, admitting to the students that you don't know the answer to something. And I, I'm sure I had teachers do that, but I don't have, like you were saying earlier about notes, yeah. I don't have any recollection of teachers doing yeah. that. Mm. And I was, I was uh, kind of, I don't know if alarmed is the right word, but like, oh, uh, what? When I read that, because it's, it's such a, a, a kind of a vulnerable thing to do, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it now because it, 
it's so freeing. I don't have to be, I'm not, I'm not the, the, the bank of knowledge yeah. that's dumping information into little sponge brains, which I think, I, I mean, I think that's, that's one way of viewing, you know, education. viewing, uh, uh, education, um, and, uh, and not, not ours. Um, but, but, you know, so the, the, the kids will ask me these, these questions that like, I have no clue. And I'm, I have the freedom to say, I have no idea. Hmm. Why don't we go, wh- why don't you go look it up and we'll talk about it or I'll go look it up and, and uh, tell you what I find out hmm. rather than sort of making up an answer on the spot or uh, yeah. whatever. Yeah, I don't think I got that with my teachers until grad school, really, because it it seemed to be a switch. Once you get into grad school, you almost become like equals with your professors, you know, or there's that sense mm-hmm. of that. Um, but leading up to that point, it's like, no, like I, I'm right and I'm going to teach you what's right, you know, mm-hmm. um, rather than this collective. And that's not that's not life. You know, like we we go through life like we're we're trying to figure it out together you know and um and so there's a i don't know a robbing of community i think mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Mm. yeah yeah one of the things we uh we talk about a lot at trinity is the idea of being a community of learners and uh so the faculty has that where uh we have a faculty we have a shared faculty room we don't have our own offices or our own classrooms uh, so i sit right across the street the, the street right across the, <laughs> the, hallway. the the desk no like my desk my desk is is back to back with uh a guy dr robertson who is a patristic scholar um who uh has taught at university of portland at multnomah university in the seminary um and now teaches full-time uh, at trinity and he and i have these and and the rest of the faculty as well but but even like the, uh, the other day we had this like totally gripping conversation that was like totally sucked into which meant that neither of us was necessarily like super super prepared the next hour when we went to class but we were able to go into class and say you know yeah i mean i like i i, I know the physics i need to, to teach this class but i could also say look dr robertson and i had this incredible conversation and here's what it was about. And you guys should come, you know, engage us on this, you know? Hmm. Um, and it does, it brings them into that community of learners. Cause the community of learners for us is not the faculty is a community of learners and the kids are kids. It's yeah. like, we are as a school a community of learners and we're, draw, we're drawing them, especially as they get older into more like full, full membership in that community. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We talked with Joel Kibler, I think it was last week. Um, about the individualism in, mm-hmm. in, in our Western world, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and it's all about me being right and wrong, you know, and, and so that, that sense of community is, oh, it's something that's, that it's, we're in great need of it. Yeah. Um, right. and, and we see that in other cultures, you know, and, and throughout history. Um, yeah, I really, I really love that you, um, you stress science with the, the kids as, science is about being wrong and that <laughs> yeah. and that being wrong is is then a positive thing there's nothing negative about it we're we're exploring we're learning uh we're finding out new things uh it, personally as someone who has uh crippling anxiety about being wrong with anything in life or about doing anything wrong like that that that's a that's a message that should be ingrained early that being wrong isn't bad. It's it it just shifts our perspective into something new. Um, I did want to ask you. In in faith communities, you often hear um, or you often see churches and um, uh, synagogues and places like get behind a a cause. Uh, let's we we've talked with. Lindsay, we talked with um, Andy Jules. Um, we're we're going to be talking with uh, Gus pretty soon about um, helping with the um, homeless need in the in Portland. Big need. A lot of churches get behind it. We talked with Danielle about uh, the refugee needs in mm-hmm. Portland, mm-hmm. and um, and with Lindsay as well. She's done that, and so. 
there are needs that faith communities get behind, and yet those needs are rarely teachers and students. What kinds of things could um, faith communities do to support teachers hmm. and support students? Hmm. What kind of needs can faith communities do? It's it's hard because there's kind of a, like, there's sort of a barrier. Like, you can't just walk into school and, you know. It's interesting. Give a hug to a kid or whatever. Like, that's (laughs) that's not okay. (laughs) I I think often, you know, one of the answers to that is, you know, each church has their own school. Um, And... And that's not necessarily a great model. That's not a way of supporting something, you know. Like, but as in each church supports a school, not no, has each a... each church has its own school, you know. Like, and that's what I think. You know, a lot of Catholic private schools oh, oh, right. come yeah, out of that, right. you know, saying, "Hey, it certainly used to be that way." Anyway. Yeah, yeah, like this is this is a core value for us, you know. Mm. Or, and some churches take on that the homeschooling bit, you know. Like, they're definitely. Like that church is a homeschooling church, you know, where they've take they take education seriously, and so it's taking ownership of education rather than, you know, partnering or, or working alongside of. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe re- reframing that that idea of thinking, you know, how can how can the faith community mm-hmm. come alongside? Yeah, sure. that's a good. It's a really good question the first thing that comes to mind for me um is that it like education so let me i'll I'll just use the example of trinity um the to run a school is an expensive endeavor and really challenging endeavor uh and at the same time we really want to make it accessible to uh, people who who have no means whatsoever, and so we uh, we you know uh, we offer like quite a bit of financial aid and stuff. But there's tuition, and it's not cheap. And sure. um, mm. and I think I think faith communities. I I would love to see to see more of that. Like like supporting, try, yeah, just trying to make it possible for people to 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 have those choices like you were talking about josh uh and so that so that if you know for example if public school is uh just totally a bad fit for a kid and homeschooling is off the table or you know whatever the combination of things is that uh that attending a different school is is even uh is even on the table um whether you know whether it's uh it's trinity or another, another private school um, that's yeah. one thing that comes to mind. I am and thinking sometimes churches will do like scholarships for college students. And that's, I, I'd never thought about like connecting that with, you know, even elementary or middle school or high mm-hmm. school, you know, students to say, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, like let, let's offer, especially ones who, who would be struggling in the private school, you know, or in, or in the public setting, you know, struggling in, in education, you know, coming alongside of them and yeah another thing i know for us uh uh, one thing we do we're really involved in with a lot of the churches in in north portland uh i mean our our students we have students here we have students at uh at a lot of the different churches and then we've become uh we've done events at a lot of them and and um you know like opening up and inviting uh school communities to be to 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 yeah, put down roots sure. in in the in the area, you know, to to do events there and things like that, I think, um, is another another way of uh, kind of supporting. Sure. So that that question is still sticking in my head, though. Yeah. I don't feel like a. Yeah. I I I sort of just dropped the bomb and left it there. We don't we don't um, prep our guests with any of these questions because we don't usually come in knowing what we're gonna talk Shh. about. <laughs> There's. There's very you little planning. I got like a nine-page email. Of like, we will ask you these questions in this order. There's, there, Please fill in your there's responses. There's none of that. Now. I just, I, I always find that um, I have a lot of teacher friends, and the, the amount of stress in being a teacher, and um, the, the amount that's put on them. It seems like there's got to be um, some 
some things. I do know I saw on, oh gosh, someone's Instagram story, their church um, made tons of baked goods and just showed up at like 7.30 a.m. and dropped mm. them off at the office. Um, just just as a, hey, uh, it's morning. We know it sucks being a teacher. Here you go. Um, so uh, simple things like that seem good, but with the like, it, it sort of has to be um, something like that where you as church people or, or um, citizens need to be off school grounds. So how to serve is, mm-hmm. is kind of a complicated thing. So I was just wondering yeah. if you had any something ideas. Something else that's coming to mind right now is uh, there's, there's one – there are a lot of families that I really love in the school, but there's one family that comes to mind who uh, they're um, – we, we, we have a lot of these little, uh, like, uh, parent-faculty social type of things where, you know, it's like a wine and cheese type event and – um, and, uh, and they're just people that you sort of gravitate towards and whatever. So this is one of those families and they started, uh, inviting me and some of my colleagues over for dinner, um, you know, with their kids. Um, and it's the coolest thing to, to be, to have an experience of community, of true community and not just the sort of, I am a teacher when I'm at school and I am a stranger when I'm not, uh, you know, uh, like, cause that's just, that's totally it like isolating and dis- and mm. sort of dehumanizing and for, at least at least for me being invited to be um to 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 be friends with that with that mm. family is the the coolest thing and i think that's something that that anybody can do mm. um and people can be encouraged not yeah yeah people can be encouraged to do um to just yeah form those relationships mm. um with their teachers, I, I know for sure it doesn't happen very often in public school that um, like teachers are invited to yeah. dinner or anything like that. So, so you mean teachers or people too? <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but you know, like s- s- semi-sold robots, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, I had no idea that my teachers had were, were like had personal lives. It did not occur to me until high school. I mean, right. my, my, my seventh grade teacher would talk about her kids um, and it still didn't occur to me that those were real kids and not just fictions and created for the classroom. Right. <laughs> it was it was for me that time when my 10th grade history prof said, uh, don't talk to me and Fred Meyer. That's when I'm out. Uh, I mean, again, it wasn't a positive thing, but <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> he's he's just a guy when he's gone. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I bumped into my my students while buying beer at Fred Meyer, and they'll like comment on it, or like, "Oh, my dad likes that one," or like, <laughs> "You drink a lot of IPAs, Mr. Tomasi." <laughs> <laughs> we we have conversations like that uh, with other pastors when they they say, "Like, I I have a big I uh, we're having a big party, and so we got some wine and some beer and." fill the cart and then they'll say and one of my parishioners came up and saw my cart just full of stuff and got the wide eyes and what do you say at that point like <laughs> it, they there are there are people I think you just lean in and you say, it's, right. been, it's been a long week <laughs> it's i i am going to drink all of this tonight thank you <laughs> like there there are there are certain parishioners and i have to imagine there are parents of your students who have this mental picture mm. that this person doesn't you know is is the most clean cut perfect type of mm. um uh person like in every way never never drinks uh even even a glass of wine or whatever so there yeah you can get into those situations yeah. and <laughs> it's it's awkward right at first sometimes yeah we the, you're good no no i was gonna say we, we don't i see I've, I've never i've never had a parent be alarmed to like see me drinking a beer or something. I think partly that's because we put it right, right out there at the school. So it's like, like we have the very beginning of the school year, um, like two or three weeks in, we have this, this parent faculty wine and cheese thing. So it's like, Hmm. (laughs) you've seen me with a wine glass in my hand. Right. (laughs) Um, the, the only time that I remember hearing a story where someone, um, 
could have gotten himself in trouble. So we support a uh, Christian-based, faith-based rehab center in Portland. And um, one of the people at our church one time was at a restaurant and had a beer. And another person from the church had invited some of these people from the rehab center to the same restaurant. And <laughs> they came in and my uh, the this person who had the beer just kind of casually put his arm and his hand in front of it <laughs> and had to like hide the thing so these people didn't didn't see you know because these people were like in alcohol recovery they are in rehab like yeah. that in in that situation i'd be like yeah oh, sure, yeah, yeah you can't drink around them but otherwise yeah, yeah. people are people um yeah well good um gosh this is uh this is fascinating stuff as we wrap up here um uh Tell us you've uh, just kind of what you've been doing. You you've got a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do I do have a, a, a podcast called Pop Culture Pelican uh, that has been on a, a fairly long hiatus, and we're going to record our first new episode very soon here. Um, a science teacher with a podcast on, on yeah, pop that's really right. Culture, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and the the co-host, my, my co-host is a he he was a math major in college. Uh, but we're podcasting on uh, our, our most recent, our one that we're going to record is on um, a film. Oh gosh, I can't remember exactly when it when it was made. Called Short Term Twelve, and uh, and then one that came out this year called Beautiful Boy, uh, which are both films about um, about accompaniment, I think. Um, and uh, Beautiful Boy is about a kid with uh, a, a, like a, a father and son. The, the son has a meth addiction, um, and Short Term Twelve is out of, about a short term detention facility for at-risk youth and anyway so uh so we'll be podcasting on that soon um cool yeah and where can people find you online are you on facebook twitter instagram yeah all of the above pop culture pelican uh and on uh, apple podcasts uh and soundcloud nice yeah awesome well patrick thank you for being here this was one of my yeah. favorite conversations we've had really really good you say that at the end of every episode don't you I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm going to go back, listen to the whole archive. <laughs> no, no, no. Some of them were terrible, and I tell them, you, you were garbage. I, I, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, we, we, we've had fun. This I just, was an unsuccessful I, I find, podcast. I, <laughs> no, I find uh, the um, uh, people of faith in the, in the community, whether teachers or, or whatever um, position they're in, just fascinating, like, how to live in that role so this has been great um thanks for coming on thank you guys this has been so much fun yeah and for the unsuccess podcast i'm david you should end it like until next time i won't (laughs) (laughs) and i'm josh and we'll see you next time